Well, good morning. I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at GPC. Happy New Year. I haven't seen all of you since last year. It's been amazing. Uh, and uh, welcome online, those who are joining online. Um, thank you for uh, sticking with us through some technical difficulties this morning, but glad to have you with us as well. And it's good to see you. Before I begin, I just want to say thank you to so many of you for your incredible generosity, not just to the Share Life campaign, which is profound, by the way. Thank you. But also personally from our family to yours and also from our church staff to you, you have been incredibly generous to us personally this season um, in a variety of ways, from notes to stopping by to just different words of encouragement. Um, so thank you so much, all of you online and in person. Um, our family says thank you so much. Um, we have felt that love and appreciation and just want to, to verbalize that and thank you for that. We, we deeply appreciate that during this season. Uh, well, this morning, uh, I'm excited to start off the new year with a new series and not just a new series, but also a new way of doing a series. And so that's going to be brand new for all of us. At GPC, we say every story matters, and we say this is a place where every story matters. And the reason we say that is because we believe that God has wired each of us uniquely, and he cares about each of us particularly, and that our stories of where we have come from, when we explore them and learn from them, we see not just who we are, but how God has faithfully moved in our lives to this point in this season, that where we have been is a witness of God's favor and faithfulness, even as that song um, said there that, that God continues to carry us even through times of sorrow and challenge. And so we don't want to just focus on the big picture, on all that needs to be done in our community and even in our own lives and in our world. While we do want to do some of that, we also recognize that it is the people whom we try to connect with. It is not just that we want to reduce poverty, it is the names of the people who are in poverty that we care about. It is not just the broad things, but it's the very particular nuances of life. Your story, your life, your name, your history, and God's work in your past, present, and future matter here at GPC. And so because of that, we want to start a new series in a way that we want to recognize that the year of 2020 has been, um, <laughs> I don't have a word for it, and I'm tired of words that are used by now. You've heard what unprecedented, right? That's, I'm, that's, I'm tired of that word. Maybe you are too. Um, but as we turn the, the calendar from 2020 to 2021, we wanted to take the stories of 2020, and while we're not out of the woods yet of all that we've been through in 2020, we wanted to take some of the stories that have shaped us collectively in 2020 and turn them toward redemption in 2021. We want to allow people at GPC to share part of their story with us during the next four weeks. So you're going to experience in the next four weeks beginning today an abbreviated message and an extended conversation, which is why there's chairs set up behind me. So I'm going to share just a few brief thoughts. I'm going to set the ball on the tee. And this morning, we're going to hear from someone at GPC who has been through a particular story in 2020. And my hope is, in sharing these stories, each will be different for the next four weeks, that you can both find yourself in their story and maybe find God in your story again as you listen and as you hear. Now, to get going with where we want to go this morning, each Sunday is going to have a unique theme, and this morning we want to talk about 
some of the unique strains on relationships that we have experienced in 2020. If you have lived through 2020, which all of you have who have been here, you have likely experienced varying degrees of relational strain. Some relationships you have grieved because you know even in your own family, they will not be the same again. Some are at a crossroads right now, and you don't know what the future holds in that relationship even right now. Some have made it and have been deepened and strengthened or even better than they were before. But here's the common denominator at a broad level, and that is this, that uncommon relationships call for uncommon practices. If you want to just have a relationship with someone that is kind of normal and goes the way of, you know, challenge and difficulty and they go away and you move your own way, if you just kind of want to go with the flow, it doesn't require anything uncommon. But if you want to have a relationship that sticks and stays, despite all the challenges and struggles of life, you need to have some kind of uncommon practices that go with that relationship. And this morning we want to pull out some of those uncommon practices that tend to mark uncommon relationships in a good way, not in a bad way. And so I want to invite you quickly to turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew near you, or if you don't have a physical Bible, you can pull it up on your phone. But Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, um, some ideas for how early Christians should, um, should express themselves first in the home and then in their community. And it is an uncommon um, exhortation or challenge or encouragement that he gives. This is not normal, and this should mark uniquely how Christians carry themselves. First Peter, it's in the right two-thirds of your Bible. First Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. We're just going to read a couple of verses. I'm going to make incredibly brief comments, and then in just a moment... We're going to have, um, have someone come up here. But reading from the New International Version, Peter writes here in what feels like a pie-in-the-sky language in verse 8. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do you think we could have used that verse in 2020 in relationships that maybe you've had? Look at that. All of these things in verse 8, it's like this is... This is crazy. Like, Peter, be, be like-minded. Do you know how much division there is in our world? Be sympathetic. Like, understand the emotion of the other person in the room. Not just their thoughts, but their emotion, their feelings. Love one another. Put them above you. Be compassionate. In the Bible, that compassion is always tied to action, that your actions show that you care about the people around you. And be humble. Don't just think that you're right. I mean, recognize that you have a perspective and opinion, but don't just come in thinking you're right. <laughs> Look, that's crazy. And it's almost as if he recognizes how crazy that is and how big a picture and such a big call it is because he brings it back in verse 9 to a world that I can relate to and maybe you can as well. Verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. <laughs> okay, Peter. So you do live in our world, because <laughs> this is our world, isn't it? Right? When, when there's outrage, we put outrage upon outrage. Oh, I've been offended. You've been offended. Let's offend them back. Maybe if I offend you more than you offend me, then maybe you'll listen to me, or maybe you won't. Maybe I don't care. Anger upon anger, fear upon fear, outrage upon outrage. This is the cycle of the world that we lived in. This is what we have seen so well, even in relationships in 2020. He says then, on the contrary, and this is where we get into this uncommon idea, on the contrary, instead of just doing that, I want you, Peter says, as a Christian uniquely to think about repaying evil with blessing. Evil here isn't this idea of just like witchcraft and crazy kind of uh, evil in that sense. This just means the opposite of that which is good, the opposite of verse 8. Repay evil with blessing. Do something different. In other words, insert 
the ideas of verse 8 into your relationships. When you've been hurt and offended, think about like-mindedness, sympathy, empathy, love, compassion, and humility. For, he says in verse 10, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Well, I would raise my hand as someone who likes that. I would love to have good days and love life. So he says, be careful what you say. <laughs> Keep your tongue from evil and lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. And this key idea in verse 11, they must seek peace and pursue it. What a great way to put it. In other words, it's almost like a, imagine peace being a, 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 a kid who is bad at hide and seek or a super competitive kid who's, who really wants to win hide and seek. Have you ever played hide and seek with a kid who's competitive? They hide and then they move a couple times, right? You're not allowed to do that in most games of hide and seek, but sometimes kids do that. So it's almost like seek peace, and when you've found it, it may run away. Then you have to pursue it. <laughs> it's kind of this idea that peace isn't just something you find having sought it. Seek it, and then put more effort into chasing it down, because it's going to run away in your relationships. You want to seek peace, and then also be ready to pursue it. For, he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so this idea of inserting in our relationship something that is on the contrary, something that is different. For Christians, Peter introduces both to households and then to community members that when you have been offended, when there is outrage, when there is fear, when there's a difference of an opinion, when there is something that you don't agree with, instead of just bringing anger upon anger, outrage upon outrage, evil upon evil, on the contrary, Return evil with blessing. On the contrary, do something uncommon, Christian. Do something different. And one of the people in our church who's in, on that journey uh, is Laurie Hoover. Laurie shared a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago, I think it was, Laurie, on your prayer request card, um, just an invitation for prayer. Um, we had the chance to talk about that. I really appreciated that conversation. And as we were talking about this, the conversation was around the relational challenge and tension and struggle of 2020 for her and for me. And as I was talking with Laurie, I said, you know what? I would love to have more people hear this conversation because what Laurie is working on doing is putting something in the middle of her relationships that is uncommon, that is what I think Peter writes about in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. So rather than me Tell her story. Lori, I'm going to invite you to come on up and tell your story with us as well. So here we go. Lori Hoover. You may have heard her singing recently. But Lori, it's great to have you up here. Thank you for being willing to be a part of this time. Isn't this wonderful up here, Lori? Very comfy seat, more comfy than what I'm used to. Um, well, you've heard me say a little bit uh, of your story. I don't want to take it from you, Laurie. So can you kind of set it up for us, what you've been through, kind of let you set the stage for this? Sure. Um, I don't think any of us can say we are always the kind of person that Tim just described from our passage today. Um, <clears throat> there's always room for improvement. Um, and so I'm always, I'm always looking for ways for that to happen, especially in times like... 2020 where things are very different or anytime that I'm going through a struggle, I try to keep my eyes and my ears and my heart open and watching for what is God doing? Um, because I don't believe any of any of that struggle or pain or suffering that we go through is just 
for nothing, that God is, is working in us when that happens. <clears throat> so um, it's something that I've been struggling with probably a lot this year, but only recently, in recent months, um, it kind of came to the forefront of my mind, kind of convicted um, on my struggle with empathy um, with other people, having trouble understanding um, other people's reactions to things and not sure how to, how to um, relate to them and, um, and be able to um, connect with what was going on in their lives. Like that was my desire to be able to connect with them. But I just felt um, uh, helpless and kind of frustrated with, I don't get it. I don't get what you're going through. So how do I, how do I come around to being empathetic to what you're going through? <clears throat> so I, I started looking up definitions and things online for empathy, and it just kind of increased my struggle because all of the things that it was saying empathy was was already what I was struggling with. It wasn't really helping me out. <laughs> so um, I finally came across a phrase that I've heard before but never really thought too much about, about putting myself in the other person's shoes. And so um, I started thinking about that a little bit, and I always thought that putting myself in someone else's shoes just meant I take your shoes and I put them on and I walk around and I see how they feel for me and go from there. But um, God's still small voice inside of me said, it's not about you. And that's when I realized that I was putting too much of myself into this equation and that empathy was really imagining what the, how the other person was feeling in their own shoes rather than putting their shoes on my feet. And, you know, imagining, okay, if I was a person that had their personality and was going through the same things that they're going through and has the same background and struggles that they have, um, how would I be feeling? And it made a lot more sense. All of a sudden, I could make that connection with them, um, <clears throat> not because I react the same way that they do to those particular struggles, but I could see where they were coming from, and um, <clears throat> I could I could plug into that emotion that they were feeling, even if if I wasn't in that particular situation, even if I wasn't um, disappointed or angry or hurt. I knew what those emotions felt like. So now, all of a sudden, there was a connection that I could make with them now that I couldn't before, instead of just being struggling, um, <clears throat> trying to understand you know, where they were coming from. Um, it just kind of made that easier for me to do. That's a big idea. I mean, the idea <laughs> of changing how you see putting someone else's shoes on, so to speak. That's really mm -hmm. helpful imagery. Thank you for that. Um, we talked, uh, you and I talked a little bit, Laurie, about the difference between empathy and sympathy, where empathy is um, seeing the feelings in the room and understanding them, where mm -hmm. sympathy is feeling the same thing in the room. So there is a distinction and nuance there where I may not feel the same way you do, but empathy at least allows me to acknowledge you have that feeling and I understand it. I don't share it, but I feel it. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit more about what are some of the challenges for you with that when it comes to, when it comes to empathy, when, like, when is it hard and why is it hard? 
The answer might be, well, the when is all the time. <laughs> but <laughs> how would you say that? When is this actually hard for you to do this? And then why is it hard? I think that, um, at least for me, sympathy seems to come more naturally. Um, when you see somebody hurting you know, because of a loss or something like that, you, you can feel that with them right away. Um, it's the times, like I said, when, when it's somebody, um, I struggle most with like, people that have a completely different personality than me. Um, you know, maybe they're a worrier or um, they get stressed about things that I don't get stressed about. That's, that's when I find it the hardest um, to do that. And I tend to um, just jump to conclusions and look at things from my own perspective. And that's, that's what I was seeing in myself and that's what I needed to, that's what I needed to work on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can't always see our own shortcomings. I mean, it, it's really difficult for me, at least. I'll put it that way, at least speak mm -hmm. in the first person. Um, so when it comes to this idea of empathy, from your experience and your processing, um, how do you know when you're not being empathetic versus when you are being empathetic? Like, how is it that you can in a way, self-diagnose this? Are there things that show up in your immediate reaction? You're like, oh, I can't, I can think that, but I better not say it. But how do you kind of self-diagnose this when you feel it? Because we'll feel before we think. And so we'll have the feelings that come rushing in, in an email we get, or a text we get, or a call we get. And it can be hard to know how to, you know, oh, what do I do with those feelings? So how do you know in your own life when that empathy is there, when it's not. Yeah. Well, I actually came up with um, <clears throat> three questions that I thought um, are good things for me to ask myself, and maybe you, if you if you're struggling with this, also um, that kind of kind of brings it to light. That maybe you, you don't think about it right away, but if you ask yourself, then you're like, oh yeah, I am doing that. <laughs> um, the first one is, am I just going through the motions, or am full, or am I fully engaged? In what the other person is experiencing. I think sometimes for me, if I didn't get what the other person was talking about or going through, I would just kind of cross that off as being like, well, you know, we're just different and that's just the way it is, rather than making the effort to engage with them. Um, the second one is when I'm listening to others, am I judging their actions or putting my own thoughts and spin on what they're experiencing? I think that's something that's very common. Um, if you don't agree with the other person, um, the, the first thoughts that are in your mind are, are judgment, like, well, that's not right. You shouldn't be feeling that way. Um, and that's not, that's not the way we want to go. And then thirdly, am I focused on trying to fix things or help them make things better? Or am I focused on what, what I'm hearing? Um, and that's, that's something, too, that's, that's in my heart. I, when someone comes to me and shares something, I want to be able to help them. I want to want to make a difference. Um, but sometimes that's not, that's not really what I'm there for. I'm there to be listening and um, making the effort to understand what they're going through rather than um, sitting here trying to figure out what I'm going to say next to, you know, make their day. Yeah. Can I just push into that a little bit, Laurie? I, I appreciate those questions. Going through the motions or engaged, am I really listening? Or am I judging what I'm hearing? Um, and am I, am I trying to fix this or make it better? Or am I actually listening? Um, when it comes to a, a practical reality of you get a text from someone or a call from someone and you're like, I have negative emotions around this. It's stirring up some anxiety. It's stirring up some tension or stress. 
do you write these questions down somewhere and look at a note card with them? Do you, <laughs> do you have it in your head? I mean, how do you, how do you work this through in the... Well, I think now that, it, now that I've kind of thought this through and have this, um, you know, I've kind of just figured out that this is a problem for me. I, I, don't, I don't carry a note card with me, but I feel like I do kind of have one in my head. Um, and I think if you pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, keep tabs on things, he does. And I, I you know, I feel like I immediately um, feel this little bit of guilt in a way, you know, like, oh, okay, I need to switch, I need to switch how I'm thinking about this. I, again, I'm putting myself into this situation when what I'm really supposed to be doing is focusing on the other person. And for you, that's the trigger, is when you find yourself thinking more about you or defending right. your positions than about listening to them, which can be really hard. Yeah, when because positions it's are natural. Different. We naturally think of ourselves first. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Let's talk about some of the wins around this, Larry. What happens when this is successful? Like, I guess my question would be, does this work? Um, and how does it work? How have you seen this approach working? What kind of benefit in relationships does it does it have for you? Well, I, I do think that a lot of times the other person isn't aware of the inner struggle that I'm having. <laughs> so um, I feel like if it, the, the benefits are more for me in how I'm feeling about that person, um, you know, whether I want to be around them or whatever, you know, if, if I'm if I'm changing how I'm looking at it, then it's it's better. Like I said, um, Putting the other person first—that's that's when I know that it's working. When, when I'm not thinking about myself and I'm thinking about the other person, and that relational transformation happens, then, um, because it's selfless love, then it's not, um, it's not about me. And I and I think that that's the key to a successful relationship of any kind, is is having selfless love for the other person. Mm -hmm. Is it? Um are there degrees of difficulty in doing this based on degrees of the topic? Meaning if, um, if you disagree on, uh, you know, what color shirt to wear to an event, that's one thing. But if you disagree on whether the event should even happen or how, I mean, it, when it comes to, I guess my question is, when things become more personal uh, and, and difficult, the, the closer it gets and the more the harder the topic is or the more, more potentially even the closer the relationship where the more is at stake do you find yourself more likely to defend your territory and kind of preserve Laurie and her worldview or um, you know how does that work for you do you do you feel that there's a difference in your grace and your ability to empathize when the stakes are higher or or lower um, I I would definitely say that when the stakes are higher, when I feel stronger about something, then obviously that's going to be the harder, the harder place not to, not to put myself into um, that conversation, um, to listen to the other person, or even um, situations where um, maybe I don't care as much. I think it can be that way too. If I don't care as much, then it's easy for, for me to maybe feel annoyed mm. by, you know, like seriously, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, just move on or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, not, that's not what Jesus would be doing. And so 
um, I want to I want to be like him. So I, yeah, I don't want I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think your mind your mind just tends to jump to that. But I, I think you just need to get in the habit of just pulling yourself back and um, and just focusing on the other person. Easier said than done, but good yeah. stuff to say. <laughs> so let me ask this question then. Out of all the things to do in your day, this is going to take extra energy. I mean, to insert, to use some of the language of this morning, like an uncommon practice in our relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, the default is going to be just to, to act out of my, my interest, right? Why is this worth it? Um, and do you have a story or a time where you said, you know, I really didn't feel like acting in empathy toward this person, but I'm glad I did, and here's the result. So I might ask the question, why is it worth doing this uh, for you? And then if you have any, anything you want to share about that. Yeah, I think that we all want real and honest relationships. And so I think that um, in order for that to happen, in order for you to be able to share how you're feeling honestly and listen and have someone come to you and share how they're feeling honestly. Um, I think empathy is a big deal because um, there's nothing worse than going to someone and sharing how you're really feeling and only, only getting judgment or dismissal back. Um, so I think, that, I think that it is very important. I'm not sure that relationships can get deeper or um, you know, be the, the kind of relationship that you really want to have with people that, that honesty can be, can be a part of that without empathy. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have a specific story. It's just yeah. kind of been a, a journey, of, you know, in whatever conversations that I'm in, you know, am I, am I putting the other person first? Mm -hmm. Am I putting the other person first in whatever conversations I'm having? That alone, Laura, I think is a powerful idea to turn into 2021? Am I putting the other person first in the conversation I'm having? I think that could change the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a really big idea. That's the expression, I think, of love. And when Peter writes, I think, in 1 Peter 3, 8, this idea of being like-minded, being sympathetic, being compassionate, and uh, be humble in our approach to it. Um, really powerful stuff, Laurie. So what we're going to do, um, I have a couple of additional questions for the fun of it, um, but we're also going to give Laurie some additional time and give you some time with Laurie in a couple minutes after the service is over here. We're going to go downstairs and just have a time from 10 to 10.30 to be available if you'd like to ask Laurie some questions and kind of push her on some more things a little bit, right? You're open for that. Um, we'll have more of a dialogue. We'll even bring those um, who are able to on Facebook. There'll be a Zoom link, and I'll have my computer up on the, the desk there, and I'll be able to engage with you online as well. But we can have some more time to talk with you downstairs from 10 to 10.30 after the service is over. But let me take you back quickly to 1 Peter 3.8. Um, and, I, and I love that verse. Let's look at it again quick if you have it right in front of you. Um, Peter says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. I just want to encourage you. If you, have, if you need a verse to memorize in 2021, this might be the one to do it. Especially if you're struggling in relationship with someone, this can be a profound um, concept. This is what Peter wrote when he was writing to early Christians, to, to try to set up what is the uncommon way that Christians should react. The context of that entire chapter is him giving advice 
to people in their homes about how Christian marriages should look, how Christians should relate one to another, and then he does this for everybody. So, Larry, thank you for giving us um, some perspective. And if we could, what you said there at the end is so helpful. If I can think of someone else in this conversation, not just myself, where could that go and what would that be like? So thank you for helping us, encouraging us to insert that in the middle of our relationships before I judge and before I just try to convince. So let me pray for us and then, um, then we'll conclude. Lord, thank you for the time together this morning for Laurie, for her story, for her desire to walk on this road of empathy and care for the people around her in love, um, in, in a humility of heart, being willing to insert into a relationship something that is uncommon. Um, rather than just getting angry, rather than just defending territory, rather than just judging because that's the instinctive thing to do, to put into this space a pause that asks, am I loving this person where they are? Am I being sympathetic or empathetic? Am I being compassionate? Am I being humble in how I engage? And so I pray, Father, that you would help us in this space. Really difficult to do, but really good to do in relationships. Not just because we think it's a grand idea, but because this is exactly what Christ did for us on the cross. And coming to die for us and setting us first, not him. So what a beautiful model this is in relational sacrifice of carrying out the good news of the hope of Jesus into each of our relationships. I pray for courage for us as we turn the corner into 2021, that relationships that are right now at a crossroads, I pray that you'd give us um, patience and courage to be loving, to be empathetic in those spaces. Thank you for Laurie's willingness to share her story. And I pray that you would uh, renew us and enrich us relationally in this space together, in our families, in our communities, and in our schools. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Laurie, thank you.